we are opening a brand new series called Heaven, where we're going to dive in for the next three weeks of what is this place that is spoke of so often, and what does it mean for us today? And one of the things that I've learned is there are a lot of questions about heaven. And there are just as many answers about heaven, but it's really difficult to figure out which of those answers is true. And how, how do we know which ones to believe, and how can we figure out which ones actually apply to us? And I've learned uh, just a little bit about myself, and that there, there's really two reasons for me why I struggle to believe certain things about heaven. The first one is I don't know always who to believe on the topic. Let me put it this way. I've never been to Hawaii, maybe someday, but if I was planning a trip to Hawaii, I would ask somebody who has been to Hawaii what I should, where I should go, what I should do, right? Like, I'm not asking somebody who hasn't been to Hawaii, like, hey, what, what do you think is a good local spot? You know, he's just going to Google it, and nobody knows really, like, if that's a good spot, right? I'm going to go to somebody who has been there before, and I'm like, okay, what are the five things I need to do when I'm there? You see the problem with heaven, if we're taking that logic, right? None of us have been there, right? So it's hard to ask somebody. Well, there was that one kid, that one time, that said he went, and, and maybe, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not judging, okay? But, like, maybe he did. Like, maybe his story is 100% accurate, but... I've got a four-year-old daughter, Nora. I love her to death, but I don't trust her, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not getting my daily news from my four-and-a-half-year-old, right? I'm not taking her interpretation of the surroundings to figure out how to believe and how to live my life, right? So if I'm not trusting my own four-and-a-half-year-old, I'm not trusting somebody else's. So it, it's hard to explain. It's hard to know what's true because none of us have been there. Like, nobody really knows, the other reason sometimes I struggle with this topic of heaven is because I'm a prisoner of the present. What I mean by that is I do really well with the things that are right in front of me. But if it's out of sight, it's completely out of mind to me. And this is a regular struggle. Um, like I don't have a lot of long-distance friends because I just forget about them. And like I'm just a bad friend in that regard. I remember when I was wrapping up college, um, a lot of people would, would talk to me and they'd say like, hey, wh where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I never understood if they were, if they were asking me that because, um, because I was wrapping up this season or if they, they knew that I was going into student ministry and they didn't think that was a real job. And I don't know if it's a real job. I just really enjoy it. So I'll just keep doing it. And, but they, they'd ask this question, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And my answer always is like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to have for lunch today. So heaven's not really, like, heaven's not on my mind. Ten years is not on my mind. Like, it's all just kind of in the future. And I, I struggle with, like, distant things. And when we specifically talk about heaven, it's like, I, I imagine that that's really far in my future. Like, I'm praying it's really, really far in my future. And so it's hard for it to then affect what I'm doing now. And recently, though, as I've been preparing and studying for this message, and as God has just been working on my heart, I begin to change my mind on how important heaven is. And over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into this concept and into this place called heaven. 
And my hope over the next three weeks is that we begin to learn that a better understanding of heaven gives us more clarity for today. Maybe not just from this message, but over the course of this series, would we come to a better understanding of heaven and would it give us more clarity for how we live today? Because if this life is all that there is, then we just get to do whatever we want. But if there's more, if if there's something after this life, then maybe it begins to shape what I do now. And so by talking about heaven and talking about where we will end after this life, it helps us gain a better focus on how to live today. But I'm not going to try and prove to you that heaven is real or any of that. There are some basic assumptions that that I'm coming to the table with that I want to be transparent about. Because maybe you walked here today and you don't believe in God, and you don't believe in Jesus, and you certainly don't believe that there's some cloudy place in our future that we're going to spend all of eternity and we get wings and all those things. I don't believe those things either. But maybe you don't. And that's okay. But I want to be clear about where I'm coming from and what we're going to talk about so that we can have a productive conversation. The first assumption is that there is a real God who lives in a very real place called heaven. On the other side, there is a real person called Satan who lives in a real place called hell. And God says that us, real people, who are really in this room right now, God says that us, that we, will end up in one of those two places. And so if heaven is real, and it's a place that we want to be, and we want to make it there, it will affect how we live now. But if it's going to affect how we live now, we have to understand it as much as we possibly can. And we believe a lot of things about heaven. Because if you start doing a series on heaven, you get a lot of thoughts about heaven. But I've learned that most of even my understanding of heaven when I was a a kid and a teenager came more from Renaissance paintings and movies and pop culture references and cartoons. Like, why do cartoonists love heaven so much? I don't know. Like, I can't figure it out. Uh, Or even the illustrious language that John uses in the, the letter of Revelation that we boil down and reduce it down to literal descriptions. And the problem is, is that not all of those depictions of heaven really make it sound like a place I want to be. Okay, hear me clearly, though. What I'm not saying is that I want to go to the alternative. Okay, like, I want to end up in heaven. But my struggle sometimes is that the picture that we have of heaven in our mind doesn't sound like a real exciting place to be. I remember it it feeling like just a really, really long church service. And when I was a junior higher and a high schooler, I thought church was long enough. And so for me to think like, oh, we're going to sing for all of eternity? And it's going to be like my grandma's house where I can't touch anything because everything's so new? (sighs) Maybe some of you like really like singing and you're like, you're really pumped for that. But like, 
I don't even like myself singing in the shower. And so all of eternity, I'm good. Now, granted, I still want to go there. Like, I'll figure it out. Maybe, like, in heaven I have a better singing voice. Makes it better. But the point is, it sounds really boring. It doesn't sound like a place. I want to shape my life to make sure that I get in there. Like, hopefully, I'll be good enough and I'll make it there because I don't want to go to the other place, but I'm not really excited about this place. And there's a writer named Randy Alcorn. And Randy Alcorn wrote uh, probably one of the greatest works outside of the Bible on heaven. It's called Heaven. And it's a great book. In fact, if you want to dive deeper into the concept of heaven and, this, and the theology around heaven, I would encourage you to pick it up. Now, block out some time because it's like this. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a book. You know, it's a heavy book. Like you could flatten out some things with it. But in his book which I highly recommend, he says this. Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He need only to convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. And if we believe that lie, we'll be robbed of our joy and anticipation. We'll set our minds on this life and not the next. See, I grew up thinking like heaven is a place that like was just kind of this holding place when we got to at the end. But the New Testament writers, like Jesus himself, talk about heaven as if they're longing to get there. As if this is the waiting place. And someday we'll finally get to the place that we were destined and created to be. And I'm like, I don't, that's not the picture I have. So something is wrong. Either Jesus and the writers of the New Testament are, are crazy or just maybe my expectations are wrong. Because Paul, so excited about the next life, says this as he writes the letter to the Corinthians. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. See, the older I get, the more I realize and resonate with that verse. That my body is not getting better. Because I have to work out a lot more to stay average. <laughs> and yet, daily, God renews my spirit. And God restores, restores my hope. Paul continues, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And sometimes we read that and we think, yeah, but Paul, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't see it, that it, that it hurts, that it sucks, that it's, it's terrible. And he gets it. He understands it. But what he's saying is, yeah, the things that you're going through right now, they're not very good. And they matter. But in the scope of all of eternity, this is a momentary Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone. Whatever it is that you're going through right now will ultimately pass. But the things we cannot see will last forever. 
And he's saying the issue is not the obstacles that you're facing. Jesus himself said that there will be pain in this world. But he's saying, don't focus on those. There is something greater on the horizon. Fix your eyes there. You will get lost if you fix your eyes on your troubles now. But fix your eyes on the things that are not changing and are not passing away. Heaven is infinitely better than what this world has to offer. Infinitely better. Think about it. Think about your worst day. Maybe that was just this last week. Your worst day. That day when you found out that you just lost your job. Or that day when you lost that family member. That day when that girl broke up with you. Or the day that you ended up in the ER with a diagnosis that you don't know what to do with. On our worst day. On our worst day, heaven is a reminder that we have the hope to make it through. Heaven offers us hope. But on our best day, our best day. Think about your best day. Those moments, those feelings, that joy of your best day. That feeling when you actually land that dream job. Or that feeling when you finally bring that child home for the first time. Or maybe that, that feeling, that day when she says, I do. Or that day when you finally get that diploma that you have worked years for. That day, like you know that joy? Heaven reminds us that God's plan, even on our best day, is a hundred times better than that. And we find that a better understanding gives us more clarity for today. A better understanding of heaven gives us more clarity for today. And one of the things I'm coming to understand about heaven is that heaven is a place of restoration. I grew up, as I've mentioned before, uh, often thinking of heaven as this place of all new things. Right? Like when you go to uh, your, your friend or a grandparent like moves into a new house and like don't touch anything. And, like, you can't bring food in it. I remember my mom got a new car when I was in high school, and, like, we weren't allowed to have food in it for, like, six months until she finally spilled some coffee, and then it was, like, everybody else could spill whatever they wanted, right? <laughs> just wait for somebody to mess up heaven, and they're like, sweet, I can bring my coffee. But, like, that, it's like this, this new place. Everything is new and shiny and futuristic and foggy and cloudy. Not, like, foggy, like, you can't see, but, like, you're sitting on the clouds, right? Like, I don't, I don't know why that's an image of heaven. But anyway, like, that was the idea. And I always struggled with that because, like, that doesn't sound very comfortable. That doesn't sound like a place. It sounds boring. But the, the writers of the Bible seem more focused on it being a place of restoration than of just new things. It's almost like the clearest picture that we have of heaven actually goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You remember Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's where God created everything. The heavens and the earth, the animals and us. And after every day of creating, he said, it is good. You see, that is how he planned things to be. That's how he intended life to be. Earth is not a part of the broken story of, of 
of us. See, Genesis 3 happened and Adam and Eve sinned and brought brokenness and sin and all the negativity into this world. But we didn't get cast down to earth at that point as if it was part of the punishment. No, earth was cursed as well. But earth was always a part of the plan of God. And I think this forever place that God is preparing for us might look more like our current world than we think. John, one of the closest followers of Jesus, toward the end of his life will have a vision of heaven and of Jesus. And he will write it down in a letter we call Revelation. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. He's not saying that it's going to be new and unfamiliar. What he's saying is, listen, you had this old earth. God's about to upgrade it. It's going to be familiar, but it's going to be better. There's a reference in Revelation that mentions that the streets of heaven will be paved in gold. And again, as a, as a middle school, as a high school student, I was like, great, it's another thing. Like, I can't walk on that. Like, where are we even going to walk now? Can't do anything in heaven. But, it, but I, I've come to understand that really what he's saying is the best things that you have in heaven, or the best things you have in earth, on earth, like, they're going to pale in comparison to what heaven's going to be like. So you might as well take that gold, the most, like, lucrative and sought-after material in all the world. Just pave the streets with it. It's useless here. I imagine John receives this vision. And then he sits down to write it, and he's like, how in the world am I going to describe what I just saw? Just this last week, I had got home from the gym, and I'm sitting down having breakfast, and my, my two-and-a-half-year-old son, Miles, uh, crawls up on my lap, and he's asking me questions. He's like, Dad, how was the, jam- the gym? And I said, it was terrible, Miles. It's always terrible. Like, why do we go to this place? And then he asked me a question that just like, I don't know why it made me freeze, but it did. He's like, what did you do there? And in a moment... When I'm trying to explain to my two-and-a-half-year-old son what I did at the gym, I felt like I was explaining the color red without being able to say the color red. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to say here? And so I, like, I stumbled through. I was like, uh, like, I picked up some things. I threw some other things. And I ran in circles for a while. And I bet he was like, yeah, no joke. That does sound terrible. <laughs> it is. But, but John, as he's describing this concept of this vision of heaven that he just saw, and he's trying to then explain it to people who didn't see that same vision, but he still wants them to come and have the same anticipation that he has. He's using these illustrious and elaborate words to describe this concept, hoping that they will just get a glimpse, just get a taste of the glory that they can receive. And so sometimes we get lost in the imagery as if it's all literally going to be exactly that way. But, guys, I don't know a lot of the specifics about heaven. Like, I, I don't. I don't know if we will. Like, for instance, like, will our loved ones look like how we know them? 
I only knew my grandma, one of my grandmas, in, in one season of her life. And my guess is that's not the season that she would like to be projected for all of eternity. It was a hard season for her. Like, but, like, if she shows up and she's younger, like, will I even know her? Like, these are the questions that kind of go through my mind. What about the two kids that we never got to bring home? Like, I definitely don't know what they look like. Will I know them? Will, will I see them? Like, what does that look like? Or pets. What about pets? Do we have them? Are they the ones we already had? Or do we get new ones? What about dinosaurs? Are they there? Because I missed them this time around. But, like, I'd like to see those the next time. And, I'll, like, I'll admit, I'm not very much of a pets person. We don't have any pets. No plans for pets. And, like, I don't need emails about that later. Like, I'm fine, okay? <laughs> but... If it's an option in heaven to get a dragon as a pet, I'm in. Like, I'm in. Not like a big one, right? Like, like Crackle from Sophie the First. Like, I'm in on that, okay? Just a cute little one. Just walk around. I, I don't know. What about our itinerary? Like, do we get to decide what we do for the day? In a couple of months, I'm going to take 150 high school students down to a summer conference in Corvallis, Oregon. And I'm going to hand them at the beginning of that week an itinerary, and it's going to say, here are the times that you need to be at a certain place. And some of my students are going to be like, sweet, now I know what to do. And some of my students are like, now I know what times to avoid, right? Like, do we, are, like, are we going to get to have a say in our schedule at all? Like, I don't know. I hope so. Like, that's just a control issue that I have. But, like, there's a lot of things that I don't know. So, it's a good reason to come back in the next couple of weeks. I'll let Dan handle those things. <laughs> he's, he's way smarter than me anyway, so he can tackle those. But as God continues to restore things to how he originally created them to be, I know that there are some things for sure that heaven will have. And those things for sure bring me hope today. The first one is this, God will be there. God will be there. John writes, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. You know when else you read in the Bible that God was with them and his home was there? It's Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In the garden, as he created it to be. And I already told you that I, I'm a prisoner of the present. And sometimes I struggle with keeping my focus the focus. Like, my focus on what should be the focus. And that even as a pastor, sometimes I struggle to stay focused on the godly things that God has for my life. And I long for the day that I don't have to, like, know that God is here, even though I can't see him, that there will be a day when I will know that God exists and God will, is present and what he looks like and what he wants for me because he will be there. And I long for that day. Because this life is pretty good. I don't have a lot of qualms with this life. But if the creator of the universe is there, it's got to be better. 
One thing we know about heaven is that God will be there. Another thing we know for sure is that pain will not. John continues, He, meaning God, will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Man, I look forward to that day. And some of you are walking through life every day with those struggles and those pains. And I hope that this gives you hope. And some of you are walking through life with a family member or a friend or a loved one. And you long for the day that they don't have that pain anymore. And we fix our eyes on the promise that there will be no pain there. Because God will be there. And pain will not be. And as a dad, every time my kids stub their toe or get a little scratch, like I just long for heaven a little bit more. And in my job, I get to sit with high school students every single week who are walking through their struggles. And this generation of students is the most anxious and overwhelmed generation that's ever exists ever existed. And I sit across the table and I long for heaven. And I long for them to understand that this is only temporary. That there will be a day when that pain is gone and that pressure is gone. Because there's going to be a day where God will be there and pain will not be. And the third thing is it's far better than the alternative. See, John will continue in Revelation 21, reciting the words that, that Jesus himself gave to him and say, all who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings, blessings, the presence of God, no pain, and a host of other things. And I will be their God, and they will be my children, but... Cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. See, the presence of heaven and the fact that the Bible is very clear that there is one path of admittance into heaven necessitates that there has to be another place to go, another option. And we get to decide where we go. And you start to compare them. It's a pretty easy choice. Imagine going to a realtor and saying, hey, I need a new house. And the realtor says, great, I've got a couple options. One, phenomenal. Phenomenal. One, well, it's kind of a fixer-upper. It's a little bit. It's going to take some work. Okay, describe it more. Let, let me see a taste of them. They're like, all right, so, so option A over here, it's great. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's like right on, right on a lake, a gorgeous lake. Uh, it's got a ton of rooms. It's, it's, gonna be, it's awesome. It comes with its own cook. Like meals are provided. Like, okay, good. It's even got a physician. You don't even have to go to the hospital. Like every bump or scratch or whatever, like we've got it covered. Okay, okay, okay. Option B, again, it's a little bit, it's also a lakeside property. 
but the lake's not as, not as pretty. Okay, just give me to me straight. Don't mince any words. Okay, if I had to describe this, this property, it's, it's kind of like a, the lake's on fire and it smells like sulfur. Okay. If those are my options, right? Like the realtor comes to me and gives me these two options. I am doing whatever it takes to get to option A, right? As much as it's up to me, I'm getting, I'm like, I'm changing jobs to get to a, like a better paying one. I, I, I'm selling whatever I have. I, I'm, I'm creating whatever relationships I need to have. Like I want there. Nobody's choosing the other one. And so when you get to judgment day, you've died and you get there and God presents it and he's like, which one do you want? All of eternity. The answer is always heaven, right? The issue though is we don't get to decide that when we die. We decide where we spend eternity now. We make that decision now. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive deeper into what heaven looks like. And what does it mean for us now and how we should live now. But what I hope you walk away with today is that heaven is a very real place. For all who have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you can choose heaven today. In fact, you choose heaven for all of eternity when you choose Jesus today. Because the cross of Jesus made heaven a reality for us. If it was up to us, no matter how hard we could work, we could never earn to get there. And yet Jesus created this pathway for anybody to come through him to there. And those of us who have confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we get an opportunity to bring heaven to our work, to our home, in every relationship we have, when we live as though this earthly place is not our home, when we live as if there's something bigger and better beyond the now. And I hope that we live every single day as if getting into heaven relies on us, but that we rest easy every single night knowing it depends solely on Jesus Christ. We know that this is not our home. Have you ever been to an aquarium? I like aquariums. Even though I don't like pets, I like aquariums, okay? So I don't have to pay for them. I remember being at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and they have this huge tank. I saw this giant shark, scared my daughter. It was great. We stayed there for a couple, a couple minutes, and I saw this shark come around again. Like, that was a big shark. My wife's like, that's the same shark. I got a lot of sharks in here. It's just the same shark. And my amusement turned to kind of sadness for that shark and these other fish. Because it's like, it's just circling. Like it's a pretty nice tank. They've done a good job with it. But that, those fish aren't made to live in a tank. They were made to live in the ocean. It has this beautiful creation and they're living out their days in a tank. But it's kind of our story too. Like, that's us too. We've done the best with what we can here. And it's pretty great. But we weren't made for this. 
No, there's a place that we hope for, that we long for, and that's the place that we call home. Heaven is home. And we long for the day. And God will be there. And pain will not be. And I hope that that gives us hope. But it also gives us a mission because it is far better than the alternative. And we want everybody we know to experience heaven. And so we get to choose on this life where we spend the next one. Let's pray. Dear and Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come and to bring your word about your hope and your dreams for us, your people. And Lord, I long for the day that we make it home. And so Lord, make heaven a reality in this next week for us and continue to shape our hearts and our mind on what this place that you are preparing for us looks like and ultimately what that means for us now. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.